Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Knowledge Panel Show, Episode 8. And today we're going to be talking about what aspects of technical SEO do big companies miss? Once again, we've got a fantastic panel. Unfortunately, one of them is currently in a, um, I think it's a storm or goodness knows what, somewhere down in Texas. So uh, we'll get to him in a minute. But uh, uh, in, the, in the meantime, uh, thanks very much for coming on to the show. Whilst we get people sort of coming in on Facebook and YouTube, we'll sort of go around and, uh, and, and have introductions from people and before we dive into the, uh, the subject matter proper. Um, I imagine that the, the conversation might be sort of moving towards processes and things with big, uh, big companies. But technical SEO and, uh, and big companies do they do it right? Do they do it wrong? Uh, so uh, before I get on to the, the audience, um, I'm going to say hello to my producer, David. David, are you there? I am indeed. Hi, Dixon. Uh, Good to be here again. So if, uh, if, if, if Keith can't go through the whole show, I'll bring in David a considerably more than I otherwise was going to. But uh, why don't we start by introducing our guests. And, and, and Lee from Enclear, why don't you say hello? Who, who are you and where do you come from, as they say <laughs> in the game shows? Well, I'm Leah Scudamore, and I work at Enclear out of Duluth, Minnesota in the states and uh and you got snow on the ground there as well of course yes minnesota you know minnesota we hear that a lot so okay fair enough and thanks very much for coming on and you've been in clear for six years i think so yeah. uh, a fair while so uh, uh that's great um thank you very much for coming on today and uh and you've you've been uh, moving around recently so Ant robinson uh why don't you introduce yourself and uh you've got new new ventures on the horizon Hi, Dixon. Yeah, thanks for the intro. I'm launching a, a new digital agency called Black Swans Digital. Um, that's likely to um, open its doors officially on March the 1st. Um, kind of long career, as you know, you and I have known each other a long time. Um, Dixon, mm -hmm. So uh, so hopefully, uh, I think this afternoon should be some, some good fun because I think we've both worked on some fairly large corporate projects. That's good. Yeah, and I think when when I met you first time around, you were working for a very large, very large car brand, I think. Uh, no, car retail um, or, or car brand where you could advertise your car. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and huge. And uh, I, once, I once tried to get uh, Ant to work for me and uh, I couldn't afford him. So uh, that's a sign of the times, really. So, um, okay. And, uh, and, and Keith, um, who works for some little company, Keith, are you there? And can we speak to you? And I know we've put you on speaker only. <laughs> yes, speaker only. I am Keith Good, and I work for a small company known as IBM. Um, it's, uh, they've been around for a few years. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I do. I'm a senior SEO strategist for them based out of CHQ, which is uh, corporate headquarters. So uh, that's quite good. We can actually hear you quite well. So why don't you tell us why we can't see you today? You can't see me today because uh, we've just had a historic winter storm plow through all of Texas. It's literally frozen all of our wind farms. Uh, and it uh, occluded, uh, of course, uh, the sun from being able to power our solar farms. And so we're all on coal and natural gas right now. And of course, that's uh, pressing the grid to its extreme uh, limits. So I am sitting here in the dark, shivering slightly, uh, but I am, I am on the phone with you right now. <laughs> That is brilliant, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, technology is uh, is amazing. You can talk to anyone in the world, but you can't warm up. Uh, that's interesting stuff. <laughs> that's true. These these might be my last words, but I spent them with you, Dixon. 
<laughs> well, it's more likely to be your last words if you were last spent it with me. Okay, so guys, uh, thanks very much for coming on, all of you. Uh, all of you got a huge amount of experience in in uh, in well, certainly in technical SEO and and in uh, you know big companies as well. And uh, so, I wanted to start with um, one question. I mean, we're going to dive into that very very specific question: what are the a- aspects of technical SEO that the, the big companies miss? But before I just dive in and go winding off, um, I always like to start with uh, with this question, so that if anybody um, you know on Facebook or YouTube you know hasn't got time to get to the end of the the session, there's one takeaway right at the top of the thing. So if there's one thing that you think you know you'd give big seo big companies obviously uh advice or, or point out that you've seen a, a number of times that you could think they could take away that they could grab and uh and think about um what would that be so i, I don't know who to pick on first really i, I think well, I'll, I'll pick on keith on the basis that he's in a big organization and, and then has to see this every single day or something every single day so can you give us one one thing that if uh, if people left now they should go away with keith uh, related to technical SEO, I would say um, get priority for SEO from the highest levels of the organization uh, be- because you're going to discover via audits and all sorts of other things um, problems that if you have to wait for budgeting and if you have to wait for priority and resources, uh, you're basically going to fall behind. Uh, so if you can get an executive on your team and understanding the value of SEO, uh, that will go a very long way with you uh, as you try to fix things. Okay, I'll come back to that one. Let's let's jump in and see what what Ant's got got as an idea. So it's really it's really similar chain of thought actually, and actually it's it's my my very first uh, conference that I went to in in the US was in New Orleans and you were there, Dixon. Um, was from Bill Hunt, and I was in, in the audience listening to him. And he he one of his pieces of advice was was to monetize annually with a finance team <clears throat> the landing pages that you have and that forces senior finance people to do exactly what keith just keith just asked um or kind of recommended because t- if, if you monetize landing pages on an annual basis and then multiply that by the number of landing pages that you have that's a significant amount of income and a significant amount of revenue that any fd will not want to lose and you will get immediate protection for the landing pages and all, all of all the um, kind of revenue sh- uh, uh, funding that you, you're kind of going to ask for for the next 12 months. I, I, I want to come back on that one, actually, as well, because I've got something to follow up thought on that from, from, from Bill. But before I do that, Lee, um, how about one one thing for you? Um, after you get buy-in, also you have to start from the very basis of the platform. It has to be accessible for everybody. You can't try to retrofit accessibility in sites that have already been built. It doesn't work. It's way cost um, cost intensive and it doesn't always work the way it should. So you just end up eventually scrapping everything and starting over. So. Okay. Well, I can come back on all of these. And so, uh, so let, let, let me do that. So, I mean, uh, surely, um, and by the way, my job here is to, is to, you know, uh, disagree or argue with anybody. So, uh, so it's, I'm just, I'm just trying, trying to, to, uh, to, to, to pick the holes and, and, and create the conversation. Um, but, uh, surely sometimes that's, especially with big companies, entirely impractical. So many companies have built their technologies with, you know, flash and, you know, they, they seem to be the last people to get rid of the uh, the bad practices. I mean, do you find that, Lee? Yeah, well, also, they're the biggest targets for lawsuits. 
So you you right. can do that, but you're playing with fire. And we know like in the state side, we've already started to see lawsuits go after big brands. So we really can't wait on it here, our side. Also, um, since the lawsuits are started here and everybody is starting to rebuild their websites right now for page experience because May is coming, right? Yeah. This is the opportune time to do both. Otherwise, you're going to end up building a second site anyway. So since you're working on page experience, and you're working to get those uh, speeds up and make sure there's no content layout shifts. You might as well be building in accessibility from the ground up. So uh, so just before, before we move in and anyone else would jump in on UX as well. But, you know, just 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 so we all know what's happening in May. Uh, Google's launching page experience algorithm that will change the way sites are uh, ranked. It will, they have threatened that they are going to um, expose brands accessibility score in the SERPs. So like they've done before with like mobile friendly. So those sort of things are, you know, it's coming, it's coming in May. And if you are working on your website to make sure it's super fast, nothing shifts when people are using it. Um, and that it's it's do it loads quickly, and the parts of the site that load are functional really quickly. That that's all coming here in May. So I I, I, I get the feeling that this is a, a Microsoft Clarity competitor product that they're coming out with because uh, this Microsoft's uh, UX product in there. But I mean, uh, so but let me bring UX back in with with you, Ant, and, and say you know how, how important do you think um, UX is in the UK for, uh, for for big brands at the moment uh, and for sure. SEO. I think it's important for SEO for obvious reasons. Um, it, it's less important because we, we had this brought into law back in 98 with the Human Rights Act. Um, so a lot of sites have been really, really kind of up on accessibility since I've been in the industry. Um, and a lot of this then changed in 2004 where there was actually, actually it was an actual legal requirement that your site had to be accessible. So we had, right. we had this legislation years ago. So, so it, it, it will have less impact in, in the UK legally. It will have more impact in the UK, I think, from a user experience perspective. Natural language programming is where we will be key in the UK market. Right. So, so Keith, I want to come back to you on your point. Are you, so, are you feel free to carry on with the UX bit, but I wanted to come back on your point of getting buy-in um, right at the top, uh, and 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 say uh, that's that's not always easy to do, uh, of course. But let me let me flip that round and say. Sometimes you've got somebody at the top of the in a small organization, then you it's quite obvious who's, you know, at AimClear, Marty is the is a is a face of AimClear, you know, and 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 uh, and I'm the face of Inlinks and stuff. And and you know, and, and it's there. In in large organizations, in the massive organizations, you probably have got the Jeff Bozos and the Bezos, sorry, and uh, and Zuckerbergs in this world who are faces, um, Keith. Um but but aside from the the buy-in of a big, big SEO uh, of a someone at the top, you know, a lot of SEO is about um, is, is about sort of influencer marketing, and you've got somebody at the top of these organisations or people at the top of these organisations who are huge personalities, but they're highly unlikely to get involved themselves in in SEO. How do we go about harnessing that person without making them you know become a technical SEO? Great question. IBM is not really known for having big personalities in, in our leadership. So I, this is I, I was asking the question that I was probably talking to the wrong brand at that particular point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, brand is absolutely vital in in sort of shoring up your 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 organic strength across the site. So we definitely encourage brand building from our brand teams, our executive teams. 
and making sure that we really strengthen the brand because what we know is is that we rank really, really well for our own terms, right? <laughs> our own branded terms we do very, very well for. Uh, what I, I have to do as an organic person is I have to talk to the executive and I have to say, listen, yes, we're doing very well from an organic perspective, but look at, at the keywords that are driving our traffic. It's us. It's all our stuff. So, you know, when I show them that, okay, sure, we're, we're driving, you know, I don't know, 33 million, you know, visits a month on on our, our organic terms, but here's 75 million visits per month we could be driving from non-branded terms. That's when I can sort of go, well, there's your opportunity that you know, this is money you're leaving on the table because you're not either funding something that we've asked for or we're not getting priority from other teams. Um, so, you know, I, yes, play the brand, but certainly uh, brand is a very small portion of the keyword universe that you could be going for. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting answer to a completely different question, uh, which is <laughs> which is great. Um, so, <laughs> but, but, so I'll follow up on that one really because it's it's sort of what Ant said as, at the start as well of show them the uh, show them the money, and I and I and I get that. And and I remember the very first time I saw Bill Hunt myself was in Sweden, I think, and he was still Global Crossing or GSI before he'd sold that business to uh, Ogilvy or whoever he sold it to. And um, yeah. and they they were talking about um, this idea of a uh, a, a matrix, a, a cost matrix. So, and the what they were doing was taking the, the you know what what the pay per click volume said it was supposed to be for any given set of words, then showing them you know what the actual traffic from organic was, and then monetizing that and showing look this is the gap, this is the opportunity missed. If you were number one for all of the phrases you wanted to be, this would be the amount of traffic that's coming through. Um, and uh, and I thought that was a fairly effective way of demonstrating a massive, great big hole. I don't know um, whether they can do that so well now because, of course, keyword matching isn't such a, an easy thing. But you know, how easy how easy is it Ant, to uh, to get that kind of um, monetized, you know, that that you know financial imperative view that you kind of suggested in your introduction. Like, like any part of SEO, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge worth doing. Um, and all, all you need is a, a mid-level exec who works in the finance team to, to actually work through, because you have the keyword volume in terms of the search volume. It's, it's in Search Console. You have the keyword volume in your in Google Ads, uh, ads campaigns, mm-hmm. and you can see what the, the overall size of the prize is. And then you can monetize what you're getting now and what the uplift is. So once you once you monetize what you're getting now, you can protect the asset, the asset value of the landing pages that you have, and then explore with finance. Actually, if we can get additional funding for SEO, this is the this is the projected uplift in revenue that we're going to get. And here's the evidence. And if that goes high enough, um, protecting the asset value is the thing that actually generates revenue for us because if you think about an fd and he has an asset value and that asset value is at risk by a go live process not being right it gives us the support that we need to get things done but it also gets us the support financially for what we want to do moving forward okay sorry keith or lee do you want to jump in or anything to add well i was going to say if we're on the hunt for revenue right we're on the hunt for money I'm going to come back to accessibility a little bit. And I know that they that it's been the law in the States since 94, 90, or 99, 1990, 94 for the UK. Um, but there is 249 to $274 billion in discretionary income 
with pe- for with that people with disabilities have in the UK. And when the um, site more did a study and index of your government offices, like your local government offices, only 17% of them are actually up to par where they're supposed to be. So like if you look, use them as an example for small businesses and businesses that have websites, there's a lot of money out there, revenue out there. And the biggest thing we hear back from big brands is, well, they're not my audience. They're your audience. The, the only thing I'm just going to say facetiously is uh, that most of our government buildings are older than the United States. So that gives us. Well, I'm a not talking problem. buildings. I'm talking websites. <laughs> Sorry. Websites, not buildings, yeah. websites, web properties has nothing to do with the physical location. Yeah, really. I, I, I don't, and I'm sorry, that was that was being facetious. I, I, I don't know if you, you you feel it. I don't see any other Brit on here apart from, from David. But I, I feel that the government websites have improved over the last. 12, 20, 12 to 24 months yeah. a lot um they seem to be more user friendly they're less you know there's a certain more uniformity and and i'm actually apart from trying to log into my tax system which seems to be bloody <laughs> impossible but uh it seems to be getting better so we're working on that lee and i'll take your point mm-hmm. i think you're you're absolutely right um can i, just, can, I, can I quickly jump, yep. jump in one Please. of the things I, that I think over here as well is that there is a load of funding uh, for, for small business um for accessibility on websites mm-hmm. that doesn't transfer across to large business in the uk sure. at all so so it's it's if we're talking about large business it doesn't really fit but definitely small business there's lots of funding available to upgrade websites that are legacy websites in internet if you're a small business right keith keith you're you're sitting right in the middle of uh, big brands and, and i know it's not just ibm you've got lots of other websites so you sit there and manage as well um and 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 of course i'm sure ibm is perfect but on the edges you know um do you think ux is still something that you you guys nearly work need to work on or is it something that you and you think big brands i'm not trying to pick on ibm specifically have <laughs> uh, have um, have largely cracked we've mastered it no uh, <laughs> yes uh, I, I we have work to do and there's no question about it i i always reiterate to folks um when they are doing competitive gap analyses and they're trying to figure out um, what they need to do with their website compared to their competitors. Uh, I tell folks in our UX team, do not look at the Googles, do not look at the Microsofts and the Oracles exclusively. And, and uh, look at your actual SERP competitor. See what they're doing very well from a UX perspective and why they're potentially ranking better uh, than, than we are. Because more often than not, the SEO at Microsoft and Google and Oracle and all of our other big competitors sucks just as bad as ours does. So why would we want to learn from them, right? Um, so that that's I think that's a big lesson, especially when it comes to UX. We discovered a while back that we weren't ranking well for a term that we thought we really should. We looked at the ranking competitor, not Microsoft, and we saw this beautifully thorough and in-depth uh, piece of content on their page that we we literally couldn't put on our page because our template restricted how much content we could put on that page. So this was a big learning for us where we could go back to our UX team and ask them, where did you where did you pick up these tips from? And they were like, uh, we, we saw it on Google and we saw it on Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, and they weren't ranking either. So there you go. So, so okay. So, so, what you're saying for big SEOs, what they what they should be doing is not looking at the big competitor. They should be seeing why that little guy gets into the rankings. That's a that's a good lesson. One hundred percent. Yes. And, and the, here's the thing: we 
we have, of course, we had a big uh, sloughing off of our links last year due to getting rid of some spammy links. Uh, so, but we still have about 450 to 500 million backlinks coming into IBM. Uh, Microsoft has, you know, 150 million backlinks, you know, coming into them. Oracle has, I don't know, 90 million or so. So it's not links, right? It's not just links that are powering these things. It's they're the it's the little guys who have 48 links coming into their site that are still outranking us. It's because they do a better job of answering the questions and they they really tap into that whole eat that Lily Wraith talks about so much, the expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, um, and, and the thoroughness of their content. So don't just learn from the big guys, learn from the little guys too. And gals. <laughs> So, so Angela Lee, I mean, why, what, what do you, what do you think stops big brands from from doing that out of the box? Surely, surely they have all the training and stuff to be able to do that. What, what goes wrong? That's, that's simply just think... too slow to respond. Sorry, sorry, Lee. <laughs> that's okay. They are. Go ahead. Big brands, big brands are just too slow to respond. It, it's, it's like it's like getting an oil tanker to change direction. Um, so if you think about over the last what six eight months and how much kind of um, AI and structured data and kind of Google's aim to be fifty percent AI by what 2024, 2028, somewhere between there, and how they're bridging the gap. Most big brands don't have any structured data on their website, which are helping to bridge that gap, which is dead simple, dead straightforward. It could go live easy unless you've got this leviathan of a of a CMS that just doesn't work in exactly the way that Keith just said. Yeah. Well, so and, and, and of course, this is my advert for Inlinks, since Inlinks is sponsoring the whole event here today. Um, of course, the one, I mean, uh, the one thing that Inlinks does is, is it just one line of JavaScript and uh, all the schema, well, the content schema anyway, and uh, FAQ schema and internal links can be automated with the li one line of JavaScript. So I guess my, 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 my question on from that then is, obviously, ins inserting a, a JavaScript is a fairly new thing within SEO because you couldn't really do that until, Go until Google started you know, rendering the DOM. It wasn't really following JavaScript very well. But yep. now Martin Split and all the guys now you know, have no problem with rendered JavaScript, haven't done for some years and things. So I guess my question is um why is it that that we don't use make use of javascript uh, more in seo now um because you know javascript can cover your schema it does with wp schema does that very very well schema app um you know inlinks is doing a pretty good job and i think you know uh, including keith's talked about it so thank you very much keith uh so it must work on some big websites we've got some pretty big bands using the thing but i i you know it could be doing could be doing so much more to stop um, stop that that juggernaut of slowness. You know the fact that the 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 the, the big organisation can't move doesn't mean to say that people within it can move. And what was holding people up before is the SEOs know what they need to do because they've run twenty audits in the last year, but they can't give them to the developers because the developers are too busy doing something else in the organisation. Uh, and so I guess my my question is: Does JavaScript can JavaScript take that away? And is that something that might develop more and more? Or am I just uh, trying to sing the praises of InLinks and I haven't got a chance? Anyone want to jump in with that one? <laughs> I, I'd small love business, to. Yes, um, business now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to, to speak to that because I think uh, part of the reason the adoption mm -hmm. of JavaScript hasn't been there as much as it could be is, is, is partially us. It's partially the SEOs. Um, uh, not, just not knowing. Uh, We're just not used to it. That it can be implemented. 
Yeah. We're just not, we're not used to it for one. The second part of that is, is also us, but it's, it's because we understand that our developers want to take the easiest way uh, out of <laughs> developing it. They want to do client side rendering um, and, and we're like, no, no, you got to do server side. And they're like, but that takes too much work. Okay. We'll do a hybrid. Well, that takes even more work. So, you know, uh, it, part of it, it, you know, it, is, is really the fact that we don't trust our developers as much as maybe we could or should. And maybe it's because they're not trustworthy enough. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, we, <laughs> if we've got any questions from the audience here, then feel free to jump on in then. <laughs> so I, I think as well, I think that that um, if you, if you think about most big sites and and a lot of WordPress sites, Google takes a snapshot of the five second point um, and it literally re it renders the JavaScript at five seconds. If your page is loading at twelve, then you're not getting your structured data in and everything else put forward. To, so the reason why I'm really reluctant to to kind of use JavaScript in the way you've described is because the majority of pages load after five seconds anyway. So it's not getting a full snapshot of all the content that is on a page. So you're saying full, uh, but the majority do load or don't load? Don't load. Don't load. Okay, so so I'd agree with that. I, I, if if your site hasn't loaded in five seconds, and you then you've got a speed problem, and that. That that's kind of like a cliff, I th I, I I think for SEO, you know, Google's Google's not all about you have to be faster, faster, faster to rank better, better, better. But there's got to be a cliff, and you're saying the cliff is five seconds. It's Google's cliff. It's there. It's there. It's there. Number, not mine. No, no. Okay. And I think I think a lot of brands got burned by Java before, right? We got we got burned, and we end up losing content or putting giving up content that we had that we thought was so great because of ranking and Google and all that stuff. So I think there's a little bit of a trust issue there. Like we've already dated yeah. them, and maybe we're not ready to jump back into a relationship yet. <laughs> Possibly, but I think I think Martin Splits at Google has done a, a huge um, PR job for Google of of, uh, of s saying how far they've come on and and, and how that's moved, mm -hmm. but. All Back in the early days of JavaScript, it was slow. You know, yeah. it, it, it was. It was. It's not now. I mean, uh, you know. So we 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 put defer uh, defer tag on anyway. So you know, everything else loads for the customer for the user before our stuff does anyway. Um, but you're right. You know, if it load in five seconds, then well, you've got bigger problems than SEO. I think um, possibly. So, um, but to, to to your point, Keith. I mean, I don't think we as SEOs should be doing everything server-side anymore. It's not necessarily quicker. Uh, and I think we we, uh, we we as SEOs have probably missed some real opportunities, which we seem to be slowly getting to. But I, I, you know, I'd argue that, that JavaScript is still the f future because it, it decouples a lot of the problems that large organizations have got. You know. Okay, let me move on to hreflang because I can't really go for too long with big organizations and say um, hreflang uh, because this is, again, Bill Hunt's uh, pet, um, pet peeve. Um, how many companies, uh, big companies, seem to get it right and, and how often do you see that going wrong? Um, you know, uh, Ant, I, mean, I don't know, Leo, I don't know if you, you're an hreflang person, so I'll jump in with Ant because I'm sure he's, uh, he's had his fair, fair, fair share of hreflang problems. That's the European problem, isn't it, right? Yeah, because we have a lot of languages <laughs> to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, problem, the problem being is that G Google wants to be able to kind of group a, 
a set of pages together that are delivering the same content just in different languages mm. and done right hreflang is the w- the way to do that it's it's kind of it's as, it's as much as it's as important as using a canonical tag on duplicate content that you know is duplicate content the problem being is that implementation is is a challenge and the reason being is that you've got headquarters in every different european city or every every different city where localized language occurs or uh, in every country where there's localized language so get getting the same content that actually is the different language version of the same content is often a challenge it gets updated in one country and not in the next and that's where the challenge arises with hreflang in mm-hmm. my experience mm-hmm. keith how are you coping with uh, with language problems okay Okay. No. <laughs> um, I, I'm doing all right. No, actually, IBM and, and I think a lot of companies have a hard time with it in general, simply because um, it, the implementation is not always as easy as you would think it would be, because oftentimes, uh, especially if you're in an organization that has multiple different CMSs and different types of content um, uh, management systems, which is a CMS, never mind. I'll just say it again. Um, the you you run into sort of cross-platform issues uh of getting that hreflang right for one secondly oftentimes the content in the other countries is uh, basically just stealing content from other regions and it the the need to have a different page altogether is is sort of minimal so you know we're actually taking a language first approach rather than a country first approach um, and we've and we're we're you know we're finding that that's that's probably going to work out better for us simply as a B two B business. Now, when it comes to a a, a B two C business, you might absolutely positively need to have a country first approach because of you know taxation and different pricing and different uh, you know monetary values, etc. So, um, but I'm not sure I've seen a really really great example of a very large company doing it extraordinarily well i think it's all a bit kludgy if it works sometimes it's it's just sheer luck <laughs> did you say it's all a bit fuji it's <laughs> Cl- kludgy it's a it, i don't know if that's a, a, a an american word or not but it just means it's uh, uh wonky um all right okay. Lee, okay. you have any have any examples of, of minnesotan language for wonky oh wonky. god if we get into minnesota language we'll be here all day <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota is what we got through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 By I think the way, uh, Lee, Lee, your weather is down here. Would you please come get it? It got drunk and wound up in our backyard. So. <laughs> no, we uh, it was negative twenty three when we woke up this morning, and that's without wind. So uh, we would happily take seven degrees back. That's like outside weather. That's <laughs> run around and do stuff weather. That's <laughs> we'll definitely yeah send it back home because we would rather push this stuff north. So, so let me throw that, that whole idea of language back to, to, to all three of you um, and say, well, okay, I'll I take your point. Um, it's very interesting, uh, Keith, that, that some countries, some, some organizations are going to develop, you know, with different businesses in different countries. And, and so clearly, you know, they're not going to have the same content. They may have started from completely different places in different, uh, in, in different countries because their businesses operate differently that way and the content is going to be different but by the same token is there not um a real opportunity there if uh, if we can only 
work on that finance piece uh, of, of demonstrating, you know, where there's content in one language but isn't there in another language. So it's not about hreflang now. It's just about the fact that, you know, one one country has has written this massive, great big piece that some university student did as their, their thesis, and it's in Spanish, and it's not sitting there in German or English or Taiwanese or, or, or Chinese. Um, you know, uh, is, is there a real opportunity there, or is that just going – way too far out the comfort zone of, of SEOs to be able to get that message across and show that opportunity. I don't know. Lee, do you want to jump in? I was going to say content gap analysis is a content gap analysis, right? You have to look at your audience in the individual areas that you're going to present products to. So if you're missing a page and you can see that you're missing it, then you build the page in the right language. So I, I think it just comes back to, is it actually needed? And you do that by looking at the analysis that you have in front of you. Mm. So I, I think you start there versus like saying, oh, we have it in Spanish. We should obviously have it in English or we should obviously have it in German. I think it honestly has to be by audience. But uh, is, I mean, it's not by, by, by topic. I mean, if, if we're not, if you're not fighting over the phrase, I don't know, um, uh, you know, uh, blue widgets um, in in Germany because no one's written uh, a piece of uh, a piece of content on blue widgets in Germany, and yet you know that blue widgets is 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 money making uh, in in the US or in Canada. Um, is that not you know to 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 your point at the start, Ant, where you said you know get that money monetary value on the table? And Keith said it as well. You know, can't we use that? Shouldn't we be using that? Or is that you know is that yeah, too yeah. far out of the SEOs? It's, it's, it's absolutely what SEO should be doing. And in, in Europe, it depends where the corporate headquarters are. Where in England or the UK, if the corporate headquarters sit in the UK, we're a little bit arrogant and we don't really care what's going on in Europe. And therefore, mm. often, hreflang and additional content in different languages, people expect Europeans to read English and an English language page is okay. It's not. It's, 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 it's eroding traffic and using that analogy uh, Dixon is, is absolutely the right way to go. It demonstrates clearly at exec level um, that th there's money being left and somebody else is eating our lunch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm only a small business at Inlinks, really, but we've just just launched the knowledge graph in in Spanish, and uh, and th you know, almost the first first job I've taken on is somebody to start translating all of the pages on the blogs, you know, to go through and start uh, start. Uh, before I couldn't market to the Spanish, but now I can. But I've only got my homepage in Spanish, so <laughs> I'm a long way off uh, uh, being a big company for that kind of reason. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Keith, anything to add? Well, I, I just think you know, from, from a, a page perspective, it's really a matter about uh, a matter of what we're legally able to sell in certain countries as well. So it's not it's not just that we want to have 180 different versions of the same content out there. Uh, sometimes it's it's a matter of us not being able to sell there at all, or we we have to go through a government approved uh, local. Uh, person to sell these products or services for us. So, um, you know, I, I, it, it's, it would be lovely if, I don't know, I don't know how many countries there are in the, in the world. Is it 182, 184, somewhere around there? Uh, maybe 220. I could be way off. Yeah, no, there's more than 200, but maybe not recognized by America. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we don't include the micro nations, but it would be lovely if, if we could have a, a page, um, 
you know, for every single country out there and that be consistent across the board. That would make doing HREF lanes so much easier for us, technically speaking. It's just a matter of like legally, can we sell in that country? Legally, uh, it, can we sell that product in that country as well? Uh, so it, it's not as, as straightforward as I think the documentation would like to have us believe. Okay. I think I think one one last point that's really important, and 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 that's including when you are doing translations, that you have naturalised people doing those translations, yeah. because write, writing a piece piece of content and getting a UK translator who speaks French and, and is fluent in French, isn't the same as an Indigenous French person doing that piece of content automatic and writing that from scratch. It's so much more. It's so much more effective from an SEO perspective when that that occurs rather than kind of using a UK translator whose first language is British. It, 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 it you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. It, it needs that localization, just in, just an intonation of the, the, the written language. It, it, it changes. I'm loving the sarcasm from Ammon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, right. So, uh, Lee, sorry, did you want to dive in there or, or can I, uh, shall I just move on? That's No, I was agreeing with them. It's just, uh, uh, yeah. I want to. I want to start. I want to talk a little bit before before we go uh, about Tiger teams versus SEO teams and 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 and, and the thing the idea about mixing and matching different skill sets. But before I do that, you know, we're talking about technical SEO. So I think it, it only uh, goes, it, it's only sensible to, to, to say, to ask the question, um, just because you're a large organization doesn't necessarily mean that your business overly relies probably increasingly after covid but uh it doesn't it doesn't overly rely on everybody coming we're not all amazons just, we can be a very big organization but we don't have to have um you know, i don't suppose jcb is worrying about a server that has to go over 20 blocks of uh of warehouses and things because their audience is very business to business and, and they you know they could probably operate their web their, their, their site even though they're a massive organization on a you know, on the same kind of server that uh, an org that, that somebody like i could do if you like so i guess um when does technical seo when does servers become an issue for large organizations and where does that that trouble you know start happening when that scale problem starts happening how how does a how does a large organization find out i mean they probably find out by their the site crashing but um <laughs> and how, what do they have to change or, or do they do they just carry on relying with uh, you know a wp engine you know server side hosting you know <laughs> uh, I, yeah I, when, I when, when, when do you need your uh, your own data center then keith great great question uh well for one you need it when you're in china uh first and foremost because as uh, you know we know there's there's that great great firewall of china that you have to sort of be within in order to do very well there uh secondly um i don't really deal a, a, as much with data centers from a an actual data center perspective as much as I do with caching services. We are very much interested in caching services specifically because, uh, yes, you do need a distributed uh, ability to um, have fast access to your users across the globe, but you don't necessarily have to have separate data centers for that. You can rely on a caching server for that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, on caching services, so we're talking Cloudflare and uh, Akamai and these kind of guys. You know, Cloudflare. Exactly. Yes. Cloudflare, I mean, because I'm a big crawler, I, you know, I do find it quite interesting. Cloudflare loves to block anything that they don't <laughs> think is human. Um, do you do you find that there's, you know, out of the box Cloudflare 
actually makes SEO um, worse. I don't think that, that Cloudflare understands, or maybe large organizations don't understand, that saving a little bit of bandwidth is a very cheap way of blocking real people eventually coming to your website. Um, so so I, I have this argument, and I'll, I'll argue to you, Keith, you know, because I'm sure that IBM does it as well, you know, that blocking blocking bots is is not a clever, um, clever way because it, it, it cuts down your marketing channels. What do you say about that? Cloudflare is bad. <laughs> well, I can't say that. For me. Former... For me. No, yeah. no, no, for me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, I, I do think that there is a, a need to configure uh, outside of, of what comes in the box for either Cloudflare or Akamai. And, and we, we most certainly do that on a regular basis. Uh, and, you know, and, and there is a need to have a whitelist available for the bots um you know and and so that we we can certainly uh service their needs as well we don't block bots until they become uh malicious in their behavior generally speaking uh so yeah d never never take anything out of the box in in my opinion and just use it as is you have to you have to configure it um uh, especially and we we have people that do that uh, i i couldn't do that myself i couldn't tell you how to do that so that's why we hire the smart people <laughs> yep Lee, and do you want to, your opinion on bots and big business? So, yeah, I've got a really good example of this, actually. Um, so a fairly large corporate that has been one of my clients recently um, was using a, a global platform for their e-commerce. And their data centers uh, are all based in one country. And it's north of where um, you're sitting, Lee, somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that should give you clues to who, who the platform are. I'm not going to name them. Um, and literally, they were, they, they were blocking Googlebot UK, which is not a good thing when we're trying to do SEO for a company whose main revenue is coming from the UK. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you can imagine the challenges that we got to get a major um, e-commerce platform um, to change their firewall setting so that Googlebot UK could go in, we did. But you can imagine the challenge that that took. I find that I find that really bizarre. I mean, Lee. I mean, what's your opinion on you know blocking bots? Or I crazy. Sorry. I, it's no, you're okay. It's okay. Blocking bots, I it's not something I'm a fan of, just because we have so many times where even our SEO tools are blocked because they're mm. blocking bots, and so then you're they're clients are looking or big brands are looking for their their reporting and you're like i'd love to give it to you but we haven't been able to do yeah. things for you know but when it comes to the big side of that i get i'm really lucky i get to lean on joe warner our cto and i don't have to make all those things i just say it's broken and then he makes everything work so <laughs> it's it, it, i think it, i find it really uh, interesting for for other i mean you you made the point about google uk and that's obviously huge um yeah but uh of course you know, Google Images has a, the image bot, you know, or Bing bot, or you know, if if you're going to buy, if if a if the CDN networks, the CDNs are going to block bots by um, by definition, by you know, apart from Google and maybe Bing, then they are really by definition forcing the the world to uh, to go to one of two suppliers so they're costing them that it's what what's what they're saving in bandwidth there's more than costing in advertising revenue because if there's only two places where you can go and put your advertising dollars then that price is going to carry on going up and i think that um yeah, there's so many different bots that are 
especially in a world of uh, of, of of entity SEO, you know, uh, where where the, the the world is moving towards a topic based um, system, uh, and people have sort of got this sort of this this idea of of uh, of everything being you know. Uh, topic-based rather than page content-based. I think that uh, mm -hmm. blocking the bot means you're not allowing any of those bots, any of those information retrieval systems to um, scan the content, put it into a machine-friendly format, for want of a better phrase, and therefore can't then reproduce it back. So you're not going to end up in your featured snippets as much as you want. You're not going to end up on Google Discover as much as you want. You're not going to end up on, you know, if Nokia come out with a new phone or Apple are doing their own crawl, you're not going to be in Apple's thing if they ever come out with a, a search engine. So I think it's a real problem. And also, on top of that, they're only blocking the ones that identify themselves as bots, which is just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Over half the block bot traffic pretends it's humans. So I, so it's, uh, it, yeah, okay, my pet peeve. No, no, no. <laughs> but it only, it only pretends it's human because it, it's blocked otherwise. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> but Cloudflare but and, 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 and Akamai, you know, make themselves yeah. a, uh, you know, they stand this up as a, a USP, but it's basically saving them pennies and potentially costing them Millions, I think. Yeah, my my, my, yeah. my take on it is if you if you look at any kind of an, an analytics of internal traffic, there is there is always ten percent of your traffic is coming from image search, you know. So some somebody is, and, and your audience usually are. It depends on the business that you're in, but global brands want to have a brand presence, mm. and that is around distributing the imagery that their brand team have produced, and if those brand searches for that imagery are not being found because they're using um, a, a CDN that is being blocked to, to Google or any yeah. other search engine you can mention, then kind of what's the point in spending the money on the brand? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, Keith, feel free to come back on that as well if you want to at the end. But I just want to cover up the last bit because we've already reached time. Um, and what I wanted to, to finish up with was um, asking about um, – large organizations and their SEO teams. And um, I guess I'm going to ask Keith how big his SEO team is in a second. So if you can't answer Keith, then that's absolutely fine. But I guess the reason that I'm asking is, do you think a large, large organization should have a significant dedicated SEO team? Or do you think they are better off having a tiger team of with coordinated by an SEO somewhere? So one SEO who then sits there and says, for this website over here, I'm going to grab you from UX, you from web design, you from uh, analytics, and you from finance, uh, and get you all into a thing. And you're going to be my SEO team. What's a better approach? And Keith, I'm going to throw it over to you. <laughs> uh, well, it depends. Not really. Uh, actually, it, it sort of does depend. We have a, a, a fairly small team at this point. We uh, we lost a, a couple of our, our team members to going over to a couple of other different companies. And, uh, you know, uh, that sucked. <laughs> Patrick. You jerk. Anyway, um, yeah, he but, sat. Yeah. He sat next to me at the uh, at the uh, U.S. Search Wars dinner before I knew, and he was just plugging me for uh, for for what I was doing before he mm -hmm. uh, wandered mm -hmm. off and announced it. Thanks, yeah, Patrick. He's, you know, <laughs> he's 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 sneaky that way. But uh, I, I will I will say that you you should have a team in house if at all possible. Uh, I would not rely a hundred percent on agencies. Um, no offense to our agency friends, uh, but I, I would not a hundred percent rely on them because I, I think that you have to have someone who has sort of tribal knowledge and can actually work with the internal resources politically to get stuff done. Um, so 
you know, do you need a, a, a an SEO team of 50 people for a, a, a company the size of, of IBM? Not really, uh, but you can you can probably get by with a dozen or so, um, ranging from senior to junior SEOs, coordinating with a nice agency team. Because I, I definitely do need an agency team to work with 100%. Um, I need somebody to, to do the grunt work while I'm doing the strategic work. <laughs> okay. Anston, uh, jump in. I couldn't agree more with exactly what Keith just said, um, that, that, that internally it does need an SEO team and they should be responsible for managing the agency because the internal team have internal working knowledge of, of the corporate structure and and what actually the the business is moving towards i also i also think that ha having the the expertise in-house that fits strategically it, it's not cost effective to have that as an external external resource because it's it's it, the cost per hour is just out of the question and people don't want to even large corporates don't want to spend that with an agency and that's where agencies really do fit well because we we, we can do get get that grunt work done quickly and efficiently and uh, and change change but what i wanted to say more is to your original question the tiger teams i think work really well so the brand that i used to work with that we started this conversation about had teams that worked in silo there was an seo team there was a mobile team there was a desktop team there was a brand team there was a photography team and every team sat in silo and none ever spoke to each other they just got on with their own jobs and the <laughs> amount of conflict that got 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 created actually caused more problems going back to retrofit what a single conversation would have cured early on so i think an integrated team with with different skill sets in it is much more powerful that then manage an external agency that's where a large corporate gets most of its rep, most of its kind of good work done yeah. lee do you want to be the final word sure i am um, working with aimclear i was embedded in a very large software companies um team for content and they had eight bus or business units and each business unit had their own content team and i was the seo that led all the content so i provided strategy and then they did the content and made sure that the made sure it was on on point for content with the verbiage for the user and that worked really well and we saw great success that way so i don't know how big of an seo team you need but the content to to be um built off of what seo provides with strategy is was a winner for us okay Great. So I'm really grateful for Doc and uh, Ammon for throwing throwing in uh, points there. I didn't uh, didn't see specific questions, so I, I'm sorry I didn't bring bring it bring you out. And David, if there's anything I've really missed that I should have seen, um, then find out. Oh, there's a question. <laughs> so now you've done it right after the 45 minute mark, Ammon. Thank you. How much does corporate culture become a limitation? It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, let's answer that one then. Yeah. How much does uh, corporate culture become a problem for big? organizations and you're saying huge yeah. is it is it is it 99 of the problem yeah yeah you, you can't get things done um, and and that's if you think what keith said right at the start you need you need somebody at a senior c-suite level who is going to champion the seo campaign without that there isn't anybody anybody at the board level that can actually make sure that we get the work done that we need to do so, and, and, the, and the corporate structures that sit in between a senior SEO, for example, or a digital marketing director, there's probably three three layers of people, and never the twain shall meet. You know, I agree. It, I agree. Keith, yeah. you want to jump I, in I, there? 
A hundred percent. I agree. The The corporate culture can be quite uh, problematic, especially politically speaking, because executives, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that they're not smart people, but they are very much like cats in that they uh, are, are interested in the, in the shiny uh, thing that's over in the corner that's getting their attention. The, and that uh, sometimes that is a very, you know, uh, upwardly mobile and outgoing 20 something year old fresh out of MBA school who has an idea and just happens to be in front of them. The problem with that is, is that it can actually distract from really, really higher priorities. So there is a, there's a corporate culture of, of getting attention and keeping attention uh, that we can't always win. Uh, and then add to that, you know, I have to do about 20 hours of uh, mandatory training every year on the exact same material related to harassment and uh, diversity and all of these other things that really keep me from being able to do my job. Um, even though, you know, I, mm -hmm. I know it, I know, yes, I know this, <laughs> but I still have to do the training. So there's, there, there is, there you should, and, and you should, you're, you're, everybody in your organization should be doing that on SEO and basically, yeah, your imprint on the world these days as well, you think? Yeah. We, should, we really, really need to. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's yeah. it. That, that, and you could use legislation for that. You could sit there and say, look, anything I say, well, in the UK anyway, you could sit there and say, anything I say could be taken as something that the company said. So therefore, I need to be trained in it and, uh, and use that as a leverage for SEOs. Guys, uh, I've, I've got to um, I've got to wrap things up a little bit here. Um, and uh, it's been a fantastic and fascinating conversation. Um, we've uh, we've got a we're staying on the big the big data thing next time round. David, what's the subject of uh, of the next session? So next week's going to be how to use big data to scale SEO. Next, next month. Um, I can't do this every week. It's too much. Work <laughs> Absolutely. Next month. The <laughs> same time, the same date next month, 15th of March. Okay, because we're not on a leap year, so uh, it's the same time, same 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 date. No, so same uh, so same time in the UK, but actually an hour later in the US, because that's a day after the US goes into summertime. So it's twelve PM Eastern time next month, and um, four PM UK time. That's never going to work. I'm going to run. Good luck. Okay, thank you very much, David. I'm glad you're ahead of that game because uh, there's no way I would have got that right. I've got a job. I've booked it in my diary to watch that, I'll tell you. <laughs> and it's uh, Big Data SEO, right? Uh, that's good. Who have we got coming on? So we've got um, Lawrence O'Toole from Authoritas. We've also got Will Reynolds coming on as well. So it should be a great show. Should be good. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, guys. So it just leaves me to uh, let you guys say if, if people want to find out more about you, um, where do they go and, uh, and and how do they find you? Lee? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Leah Scudamore. Leah Scudamore. <laughs> yeah, go. or find me on AimClear blog too. Okay. And? Find me on Ant Robbo at Twitter. Exactly the same. Uh, one B or two? Two Bs. Ant two Robbo, Bs. two Bs. There you go. Keith, well, obviously, we can't even see you, so you're not allowed to be found, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are allowed to answer, Keith. Where do we find you? Can't unmute. <laughs> okay. So I'll tell you how you find Keith. You just go down to somewhere in Austin, Texas, and bang on <laughs> IBM's door, and uh, he'll be the other side there, and he'll take your queries in person only. So there you go. Oh, sorry, go on. Go, go on. Go on. I was just saying, you guys working. Sorry, sorry you guys I, working for the office at home. <laughs> so, Keith, sorry, sorry about that, Dixon. I, I couldn't get off mute for some reason, but I am at Keith Good on Twitter. 
but maybe not for long. I've got to go burn some chairs to stay warm, so I may die in the fire. So, <laughs> that's brilliant, guys. Thank you ever so much for coming along. I'm pretty sure when we press the button here, everything goes dead. So, uh, so, so we'll uh, be uh, looking. Oh, uh, Amon, Amon's pointed out the keep is cloaking. He is indeed. Um, but. Uh, you know, he's he's from Texas, so, you know, they're going to have to do that for a while, for a few more years. Uh, so, guys, thank you very much for coming along. I really appreciate it, and uh, see you again soon. <laughs>